saying congratulations because I remember um, when I first started at FBI your first album had just come out and it was this like palpable feeling at the station like finally Marcus has dropped his debut album he's you know been doing it for so long this like star of the Sydney scene has at last unleashed this like product of his own and there's all this like chatter at the station about it and then when you would come on to do Sleepless in Sydney, it was like, oh, my God, Marcus is going to be here. <laughs> really? Yeah. This is all news to me, by the way, Maya. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I remember so many people just being like, Marcus Whale inside? Oh, my God, regularly? Whoa. <laughs> what? Oh, wow. I mean, I just felt like like on top of the world to be involved in this station. Because, I, you know, I, I've been sending my music into FBI since I was – 15 years old so it's, it's been a big part of my life and look at you now three albums later <laughs> yeah yeah no I'm, I'm i'm still here we're all still here fbi's still here yeah well where i was going to go with that was more that i think this record the hunger is probably some of your best work yet would you thank you would you agree i think you've like nailed every part of it like the music the lyrics the concept the visual the whole the whole thing is just I I genuinely I think some of the the best stuff you've ever touched solo wise thank you so much Maya that that, I really appreciate that I, I definitely feel really good about it and that's I think a sign of something because I often have little worms of doubt once I release something, because you you overplay it when you're working on it, I think. When I'm working on my stuff, it usually gets, uh, it usually dies a little bit, maybe even before it gets released, which is fine. I think it's just part of the process because you have to think about all these elements so much. You know, the, the visuals, for instance, uh, the mixes. This album I did myself, pretty much everything. So apart from the the visual stuff, so um, it, it can get 
tiresome. You start to lose the sense of magic or, or the, the kind of special feeling when you start creating it. And, and there's that kind of imaginary spark. But with this album, I still feel really excited about how it sounds. And, um, and, I, and I for once actually feel like I can listen to it and enjoy it now. Um, like I don't, I don't listen to it very often, but, but I can <laughs> press play on a track and, and feel like it's for me rather than something that I've made. And now it's just something that I have to put out there because I made it. Mm. I can't imagine what that feels like from an artist's perspective, being able to have like made something, tried to grapple with like the, just the whole dichotomy of being the person behind a piece of art, putting it out and then feeling uncomfortable with it to being able to actually feel really happy with it and like casually listen to it despite the process. Strange? It feels great. Honestly, I, th- I think what, what changed is that I, I made this album with less pressure on myself. Uh, normally, you know, in Collarbones, for instance, one of my bands, uh, it feels a little bit more because the audience is a bit bigger than with my solo stuff. It feels a little bit more like there's a sense of pressure on it or, or I, I have a kind of idea that it should fulfill a particular sound world or something. Whereas with this album, one thing I, I've been telling myself is that it was really from a place of wanting to feel good and make, make a kind of world, a fantasy world that I could lose myself in and, 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 and just take derived jo- enjoyment out of being able to express myself in this way uh, rather than it being something that I can extract out of. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I started working on it in April last year um, and had nothing else to really do. And also, you know, no one was expecting anyone to be doing anything at that time in particular. And even though it was like really difficult for everyone, I kind of thrive in those situations because I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of a lazy person. Um, and I only really want to do things if I'm enjoying myself. And there's this kind of incredible um, Kim Cattrall quote that I always think about um, where she says, I don't want to go even an hour of my life without enjoying myself. And I, I, I feel like I've, I've started to be able to find the Kim Cattrall in my life with the help of this album. Love that. Love that sentiment. We stand Samantha. <laughs> She's the best one, obviously. Oh, clearly. If you're just joining me here on FBI, I'm with Marcus Whale. We're chatting about his new album, The Hunger, his third record, which tells the story of longing and desire between a vampire and his pitiful human slave known as a familiar. Now, Marcus, the words Marcus Whale and character play, I think, really fall hand in hand at this point in your musical career between cowboys and saints or devils, depending on which side of the coin you're on, in the past. What was the catalyst this time around for dabbling in vampirism? The catalyst was watching this movie called The Hunger, the same name as the album, from the early 80s. It's a vampire movie, it stars Catherine Deneuve, it has David Bowie in it as well. Um, and it's quite tonally different from what, what 
maybe vampire films were expected to be like in, you know, the, the, the kind of vibe that was set up from the 20s, like Nosferatu, and then in the 30s for those universal pictures type horror movies where, where Dracula is this, um, you know, the, the figure of Dracula looms over the idea of the, the vampire, obviously, because this is how it became a popular thing through Gothic fiction, through Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, but The Hunger kind of presented quite a different vision of what a vampire could be. Um, and it had a lot to do with the, the styles and the vibe of the time. So like, for instance, Bauhaus, the post-punk band, um, perform at the beginning of the movie, uh, Bella Lugosi's Dead, which in its own sense is like reflecting on the legacy of um, the idea of the vampire because Bella Lugosi played Dracula, um, but then doing it in this like very new, exciting, weird, twisted way. Um, but what happens is that this this movie becomes a really beautiful, tortured, sensual story of a vampire played by Catherine Deneuve who keeps taking on these lovers, uh, but rather than, because she can't make them into a vampire herself, she kind of consigns them to this, this uh, eternal life, but not eternal youth. So at some point they, start disintegrating and turn into corpses and so we, we sort of find her at this point where her latest lover is getting to that point um and so she's in this state of of grief and and there's this this in that situation a kind of like impossible terrible irresolvable longing in her um that, that I, I found incredibly evocative. Susan Sarandon comes along though as a potential new love interest for her. Um, and, we, and we get this amazing electric chemistry between those, those two figures, the vampire, Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon, who's like being lured in, being seduced. Um, and there's this really incredible scene where Susan Sarandon's character is asleep at home with her husband, her heterosexual husband. Meanwhile, Catherine Deneuve is wearing this black veil, mourning the living death of her previous lover and playing this really beautiful piece by Ravel uh, from the Gaspar Delanois suite. And she's crying and the sleeping Susan Sarandon also starts crying. It's this kind of um, shot, reverse shot thing um, where we see them distantly in having this like intense connection from afar. And for me, that was, that was a real moment of genesis for the album. It really, it made me think about how beautiful and profound and like tortured that that relationship of desire was in that movie. And I thought about how it made me think about um, forms of desire that I, that I maybe think about in my life, where you long after a person and the, but there's still these kind of irrevocable differences between, between us that generate this, this beautiful longing, but it's also impossible and tortured.
So that became the kind of kernel for the, for the album. There's a song on the album called The Hunger, which I wrote the same day as watching the movie. I also watched it remotely with my friend Kane, who, who's a big horror film buff and, and kind of introduced it to me. So it's also a bit of a tribute to him. Bless. I love that. I mean, if there was one word I think that encompasses this record in full, it would be that idea of like wanting, longing, even lusting to a degree of Definitely. someone or something. But I think it also um, extends outside of just like in the relationship sense. It To me, it seems to extend across, you know, things like in all facets of life whether you're longing for love or you're longing for stability prosperity you have ambitions you want to pursue like a career goal or you want to pursue like a family goal all these different like types of longing almost how does that sit with you i would love for people to interpret it in whatever way they feel because to me it's it's also just a, a grand metaphor for that could that could fit all of those things that you've mentioned, and and in many ways I, I think longing is what being human is about in some sense. That's the kind of energy within us that propels us forwards and 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 changes us, and and maybe a lot of the album and a lot of a lot of my other <laughs> work as well, to be honest, is on these kind of themes. Um, a lot of the album is to do with how the longing to become a vampire in the in the world of the in the story of the album is the the thing that transforms the the familiar the the human servant that that you mentioned at the start um, that all the songs are sung from the perspective of it's it's more transformative and more important to me to think about what the longing does to to us and and how it it creates the potential for us to, to envision um, a way of being or, or a thing within us um, that that can change and, and that can that can open our imagination and, and open open what we can be to something other than what we are now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because then when you're listening to it, I, it's definitely quite a solitary sounding or like solitudinal record it's to the point where a lot of the instrumentation almost sounds like you know your heart beating out of your chest in anticipation for something to happen you've got these like hypnotic Ave Maria opera style vocals that almost feel as if like I shouldn't be listening to it because I'm not the the person of desire to be hearing these songs um and there's a sense of stoicism throughout it all. And I guess that sort of is, in a way, what extends to that idea of longing. Like, only you can long for something. It's it's a lonely prospect or, like, process, really. Which is interesting because, of course, this is in your solo work. But at, at the centre of it all, it's quite literally just you and your incredible voice and octave tones and shifts commanding a whole room. Something. 
PPI 94.5. Do you find that differentiation between your solo and group work, which is maybe a bit more um, not vibrant in the sense that there's more life in it, but you seem a lot more carefree when it comes to your group work and like it's just for the sake of having a lot of fun? Do you think that's intentionally that that's intentional or just a different type of style you're putting on really? Yeah, I, that's a really interesting observation, Maya. I, I, um, I think ironically, the process is a little bit the other way around. Like the result is different, but the process, you know, when, when I'm making stuff alone in my room and it comes out with this, this kind of solitary feeling, um, it, it, it makes me feel good to get that stuff out. Like it, it feels really automatic and natural and organic and like I'm not being I'm not imposing anything on it like it just comes out from my imagination and I get to I get to play and be really free um and with that with you know with with the group stuff that I do in collarbones or bb although we haven't made stuff in a while um (laughs) bring him back yeah I'd love to bring bring him back (laughs) start a start a petition um (laughs) With, with that with that stuff there's always a kind of yeah I guess there's a, there's a setting in mind there's an audience in mind with BV it's like how do we make a track that will slap in the club and with collarbones it's like how do we make a a cool kind of pop sound of various kinds um and and, and that changes that changes what I feel like when I'm when I'm doing it as well like it's it's definitely still enjoyable and still really fulfilling uh but but there's there's more people in the room I suppose there's literally more people in the room and then more people kind of in in my head and like in the music like it's it's shaped a lot more by the context that it's going to be received in yeah I think that's still that idea of like what audience you're playing to though has a home in your in your solo work more obviously than you might think and I think that comes through visually the idea of like the characters you play and the set design costuming like this play almost in your that goes with your music is just as paramount as the vocals or the production itself you're very clearly super drawn to drama and characters, but what do you think it is in particular that draws you to that? Because it's all—it's almost as if you 
in these last three records have picked some sort of character and dissected it across 10 tracks or so. I think I've always loved albums that feel like you're, you press play on track one and it's not just playing a song that you like to listen to or, or something to put on the background. It's like putting your brain inside a world that someone has constructed for you. That's, that's my favorite albums are all kind of like that in some way. I want to feel transported. I want to feel immersed. And I think the dramatic elements that you're talking about and the more kind of narrative character elements in my work, I think are because I like to create that same sense of the world as well in the album. Like I really hope that people, if they have the time to, can can sort of take 40 minutes to to sit down and listen to it and 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 let the the world kind of descend over your over your ears. Um, it's it's so also driven, I think, by how much I love movies and performance. And particularly in the last four or five years, I think about, I reckon I I, I keep saying to everyone that I know, like cinema, movies is like the, the greatest art form. And in some senses, I think when I make music, this goes for Colorbones as well. I feel like I'm trying to make music, which is as much a movie as a movie would be, but with the means of music. Uh, and, and the same with the performances. I want them to feel cinematic. It's just that performance has like the added um, power of it being in the moment and right in front of you, well, it's, which it's, is also really exciting. Yeah, it's so multidimensional as well. Um, do yes, you, yeah. Do you see the... That's maybe what's, what, what, what's attractive to me about it. It's like I just want more, more angles, more <laughs> elements... Because, you know, nothing can ever really properly express the things that I'm necessarily feeling inside my head. But my imagination can help create something that when I put it out there, others can can jump in and have their own interpretations. And that's really exciting to me. Mm. Do you see these archetypes as extensions of your own self or persona that you either like choose to explore that little bit deeper to tell a certain story or to build a new sort of world with there's definitely yeah it's interesting I, I I was reading this this book today about melodrama uh and it was talking about Oscar Wilde a lot and apparently Oscar Wilde was really into this idea that art tells us who we are more than anything else. Um, and so even though in these solo albums, I don't really talk about the narratives in my life or the, the, the specific details of my life, they do kind of reflect my personality really well, I think, or, or my preoccupations and, and the way my, my brain works. Um, and and, and I, I read that sentence um, about 
what Oscar Wilde thinks about art. And I was like, that really, that really um, resonates with me. I think the, the word he literally uses is it, it shows us our personality. Um, and, I, and I think I'm, I'm interested in personality a lot when it comes to listening to music, especially. It's like maybe one of the reasons why some of my favorite artists are like, um, say Björk or whatever, because I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a really complex sense of, of who they are, not through them telling me directly, but through these wild different metaphorical forms, indirect forms. Um, and and be because it's in music, which is uh, not entirely abstract, but very sensual, um, it, it becomes this, this elevated experience that can express so much more than words can on their own. and half of that from Sydney, only on FBI Radio.
throughout our chat today, you've touched a bit on a lot of the other projects you've worked in. You know, your musical resume precedes you at this point, be it your work in BV, Black Vanilla, or in Collarbones. Um, You've been working in music for, what, nearly a decade now, hey? Yeah, I I don't know when it really starts as well, because because cause I've been I've been making music for a long time, in in a very DIY capacity to very few people, um, <laughs> especially at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I don't know where it begins. It's at least it's at least a, ten to fifteen years, something like that. Yeah. Well, it's wild to think that it's been that long, and yet this is only your third solo album and you've also talked a lot today about the I guess if I had to describe it it would be some sort of like peace that you found with yourself as an artist and taking a bit of extra pressure and edge off yourself in your work and your practice how does it feel in the place that you're standing in your career at the moment um yeah I feel really good I think maybe um I've, I've felt a little bit reset by not having so much on as well. Uh, I, I think I was really burning the candle at both ends at, at various points in the last 10 years and, and, and trying really hard and, and um, maybe occasionally doing stuff for the wrong reasons. Um, I'm also now in my thirties. So uh, I think I've heard that things get way cruisier in your 30s for a lot of people. I feel like I'm maybe on that track. It's nice. I've been doing a lot of collaborating with other people lately, um, a lot of younger artists. And, and I'm, I'm, I feel like every time I, every time I go to the computer to make some music, I usually feel excited about it, which I didn't always feel um, yeah, and, and that's what I've always wanted anyway. And that's how it felt in the beginning when I was a teenager making music. It was just so I could play and, and explore and, and feel um, filled up with my imagination. Yeah. I love that. What a full circle moment. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that way before, but you really helped me there. <laughs> Well, I guess the next logical question is what's what's going on from here? What's coming yeah. up? Well, I think we've got pretty much a Collarbones album, um, which is fun because I, I wasn't sure if there was going to be another one. Um, it's pretty extreme in... It, it, there's a lot of different styles in it. Oh, yes. I don't know if it's going to work, but I, I've really enjoyed making it um, with Travis over the last year or two. M- made it pretty much concurrently with the hunger, because um, you know we've we've all had a bit more time to ourselves lately. And and yeah, I'm I'm, I'm also working on some solo stuff again. Uh, and there might even be there'll, there'll probably be some more tracks out soon because yeah like there's a re- there's a couple of remixes that I, th- I think might come out like like um Byung um tweeted at me or tweeted one day that he was like writing a rap over Undead and I was like 
let's do a remix <laughs> <laughs> so th- hopefully that'll come out at some point soon i mean the lp the lp of the hunger is coming out soon i i hope like it's i got the test pressings today so um if we're lucky that'll be coming through in the next few weeks or so to a record store um, near you I, I made it. I made an opera that was meant to be performed in 2020, but it got um, cancelled. And that should happen at some point in the future. Um, yeah, I've been. I, I, I've recently got a bit better at making sponge cakes, also, which which is a big part of my 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 life now as well. Cute. Yeah, just getting into the the sponge, the vegan sponge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the meantime, you can catch Marcus Whale every week on Sleepless in Sydney here on FBI Radio. He's been manning that deck for a while with Marcus McGrath. Marcus. Gus McGrath. Gosh, what a little... Imagine that alliteration. That would have been nice. (laughs) (laughs) um, And... It is on from 11 a.m., 11 p.m. till 1 a.m. every Thursday here on FBI. Thanks, Maya. Thanks for the plug. Thanks for coming on. That was really sweet. My pleasure. Great, great chat. Spelling